0: This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast, now
1: part of the Evergreen Podcast Network.
0: All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Resco and welcome back to our podcast. All right, Tom, what do we got today?
1: Well, today we're going to be going and doing a bit of a deep dive into some, most probably three of the most famous conquistadors of all time, from basically the 16th century. And you have to remember that during this time in the 16th century, Spain and Portugal, they're the two dominant powers. If you only think of that nowadays. But, you know, they sent their ships to all corners of the globe, exploring new lands, meeting new groups of people. They really discovered civilizations unknown to Europeans. And they brought back a lot of these goods back to Europe, which then created even more curiosity about these far off lands, right, all throughout Europe. And they were driven by a lot of things. A lot of times you hear like God and glory, which is part of it. But really the main G, you hear gold, but the main G was really greed. So it wasn't just gold. It was any way to make money. And their desire to basically get rich a lot of times made them get very violent, let's say. exactly Um, These explorers, these conquistadors evolved from explorers to soldiers. And they were basically there to enforce Spain and Portugal's desires across the rest of the world, particularly the Western Hemisphere.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really kind of starts in uh, 1490s, right? In 1492, uh, Christopher Columbus, right, sails the ocean blue. Uh, He winds up founding the early... Don't say that. Don't
1: say that. I hate that thing.
0: Oh really? I, I just that's how I learned it. Um, false, <laughs> false. Christopher Columbus winds up founding the earliest Spanish settlement in the Americas on the islands of Hispaniola, right? Yeah. And Cuba. So within a generation, sir, you have Spain, as you mentioned, really lands in the Americas and grows that empire that is started by Columbus in 1490s. Um, in Columbus was—you can make.
1: I mean, he wasn't really a conquistador because he, he wasn't because the term
0: wasn't really used. He wasn't really yet.
1: used, but he did towards the end become very very. Vicious, right? Yeah, like, and he, um, did, people, he did search for gold and other he things. He searched for gold and those things, and he wanted to you know, subjugate people. He wrote how easy it would be to subjugate the natives. I'm not getting so much into Columbus here, but I know his tactics were so brutal that the like, the king and queen were like, you know what? We're not going to send them back Like yeah. towards the end. But that, that's a whole different podcast.
0: That's a different podcast. So the term conquistador has its origins in the Spanish language, obviously. It derives from the Spanish verb conquistar, which actually means to conquer. Which is why I mentioned before that Columbus wasn't a conquistador because he didn't really go to conquer per se. At least that wasn't the original intent. Versus yeah. these particular people, these conquist- conquistadors, specifically refer to a person that engaged in
1: conquest.
0: And this was on behalf um, of
1: Spain and Portugal. That's what exactly. they're going for. They're going to, they already know what's there. Now they, they want what's there for themselves. That's basically yep. what they're doing.
0: Yep. And they're doing this in the 15th, 16th, a little bit of 17th century. Most of these conquistadors are soldiers, they're explorers, they're adventurers. You know, they are trying to find new lands, but really it's about resources and riches and trying to make a name for themselves and a rise in social class. They're often authorized and supported, obviously, by the Spanish and Portuguese crowns, because that's kind of what you needed to be given permission to go to the New World to do this term became widely used after the age of exploration to describe these guys because of how they shaped the course of history in the new world. And the three of the main ones are Cortez, who we're going to talk about today, Pizarro and De Soto. Uh, those are the three main conquistadors. There's there's more than them, obviously. Cabral, right? Francisco Vasquez, Coronado. There's other ones, but I feel like these three really kinda of embody Those are probably
1: the ones if you're reading the textbooks, like there's a bunch of other ones like uh Balboa, No Relation to Rocky, right? There's Aurella. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of other ones obviously, but these are probably the ones that you're gonna most hear about because they had like extre- they all had impact. They have extreme impact.
0: Yeah. So before we get into these three guys, what really gives rise to the conquistadors during this age of exploration, 14th, 15th, 16th century, and one of the first major things is technological advancements, right? You have the development of much more seaworthy ships. Um, yeah, they can actually you know, survive the journey, which exactly. is big. It's a big
1: deal. That, that, that's going to help a little bit.
0: Yeah, they could actually like stay at sea longer, which is a big key. The other thing is the desire for wealth and glory, which we kind of briefly touched upon. European countries, particularly Spain and Portugal, saw new trade routes, um, they want to find these lucrative markets in Asia. So additionally, there's like rumors of vast riches and treasures in this new world that eventually brings them to the new world. But initially, they're they're going west to try to get to the east. And then once the new world is found, you know, now you have these rumors of these kingdoms that are found, these natives and these treasures. And this kind of fuels the desire for exploration and, and more conquest. Then there's the idea of Christianity, uh, religious fever almost plays a significant yeah. role in in motivating these explorers. Well, the church like, is going to help
1: fund fund, their, it. Yeah, fund a lot of these too because they want to spread the Catholic religion. They see these other religions, these other people as heathens, right? They need to save their souls. That's what they're going to say anyway. But really, they want to expand their power as well, to expand their faith. And they're going to pay these conquistadors to do it. And they're going to yep. do it.
0: The other thing is, too, is, uh, you know, the obvious one here. Many conquistadors were attracted by the possibility of obtaining land and titles, uh, not just in a new world. But they thought by making a name for themselves and bringing riches back to Spain or Portugal, the crown would actually reward them for their services by granting them land and titles. You know, then you also have a lot of just, you know, I would say surge of soldiers and adventurers that are just kind of like, you know, let's see what we could do. out yeah, of it. Soldiers of fortune.
1: They're just yeah, going to go. Yeah, curiosity. Things. Yeah, they need something to do. Well, not more than she need something to do, but they're looking to make a living, looking to make money, and you know, their best skill that they have is being able to uh, kill people.
0: Right. So one of the most famous of them all is, I would say, probably one of the most successful is Cortez. So I think that's really kind of what, I would say, the age of conquistadors, would, I would say, probably starts with Cortez.
1: Starts when he's probably the one that people, when they think of conquistadors, they think of Cortez, I would think. That's probably one of the first ones that are going to pop up, particularly in North America. That's going to pop up in their in their people's minds.
0: Yeah, like if you study, it, yeah, like you know, yeah. just
1: the history of the Americas.
0: All right. So, what do, what do we know about Hernan Cortés?
1: Well, he was like we said before, he was a Spanish conquistador, right? He's, he's best known. What we're going to talk about is he's he conquers the Aztecs and he claims Mexico for Spain, yep. right? So basically, he comes over in 1519. He was sent to command his own expedition to Mexico when it was actually canceled. But Cortés ignores these orders and he travels to Mexico anyway. And when he's there, he sets his sights on overthrowing the Aztec capital. The Aztecs are known at this point. It's not like there's yeah. like a surprise encounter. Cortez knows about the Aztecs, but the Aztecs also know about Cortez after he lands because he starts, he's laying siege to a lot of the other tribes and stuff in the area. Mm-hmm. Because I remember the Aztecs were not liked by a lot of these other tribes. So a lot of them were like telling them, Oh, well, if you like our gold, right, just keep on going this way, you're going to get to like the Aztecs. They have, a, they have you know, a lot more. And that's basically what Cortez does, and so Montezuma II actually allows Cortez to enter the capital. Right? What's the capital called? Right? Well, he lands
0: t- with like he lands with armed um, yes, five hundred yeah. men, 11 ships. Men. Yeah.
1: yeah, so he, he's showing overwhelming force. Obviously, there are 11 ships. He has a few cannons. These are things that they were never there. So he won a lot of these early battles with the natives in the region, wins a native woman, right? Yeah, her name Ma- was, Marina. Uh, Marina. Yeah. And that would become his mistress. And he had a son with her. And he's marching towards. Uh, they said the- it was
0: the first child of a European born in a New World. Obviously, yeah, that's mean. a claim, but who. It's a claim. I but
1: I mean, it's maybe well, it's like one of the possible. first, maybe. Maybe yeah. one of the first, right? But he's marching towards the capital of Teno uh, Tishlan. And his, he actually makes allies of um, locals. some of the locals he's committing a lot of massacres so he was known to the aztecs like i said before and he's actually welcomed in by montezuma ii because he wanted to better understand his enemy it doesn't really work out that way because it kind of backfires he he invites cortez in to kind of just like understand him and stuff like that and cortez pretty much just and his men they just like massacre the aztec nobles and they hold themselves up in the city they take montezuma Zuna hostage. It's a very European tactic, right? Like take the king hostage and then ransom him. And that did not really work in the new world quite like that. So they take him hostage. But the people of Tenochtitlan are so angry at Montezuma for this happening that they actually kill him himself. He's stoned. Yeah, they're upset that he
0: let this happen.
1: They let this happen. Like you're not a leader. You're an idiot. His own people kill him. And then the conquistadors had to make like a hasty mistake. There's a lot of them. Um, I think there was like a documentary about this pretty recently about like the the conquistadors like in Cortez like leaving. In the middle of the night like barely getting out with their lives um in 1519 now he comes back in 1521 and they besieged the city and by this point starvation disease really particularly disease like measles smallpox is just running rampant uh through the city and the city was destroyed it's actually met by the people or the natives in that area that weren't Aztec were actually um, excited. They were delighted. They were happy. Yeah, well, uh, the Aztecs were were killed off. Well, think about they, it. The Aztecs
0: yeah. actually ruled when when Cortez first got there, right? The Aztecs ruled over 500 smaller tribes and states. That's like six million people. Yeah, the Aztecs ruled over. So these people felt like they were subjugated by the Aztecs. So I mean, yeah, this guy comes. They were. Yeah, yeah they, they were.
1: They saw Cortez at that point as a liberator. Yep. We're not saying what Cortez was good. We're not saying he was a but we're saying this is what the these other natives in the area actually saw him as we noticed from their writings because they hated the Aztecs so much. Yep. For, for, they did for all they knew. That was their history. It was you know, generations of Aztec control.
0: And people believe that Montezuma allowed Cortez in in 1519 because they he actually thought they were like envoys from God. Because he, like, prophesied the return in in that year, right? And he asked the calendar that he was going to come back. So he treated him as this honored guest because he believed Cortez, you know, with his fair skin, was was this god. You know, but obviously they raided the city afterwards. I think the way they killed him, didn't they, like, stone him or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, they stoned him to death. Yeah. They stoned Montezuma to death. And what's
0: interesting, too, is when Cortez winds up sailing to mexico which he was told specifically not to do when he took this 11 ships and went so he was actually called a uh, criminal he was given a status of a criminal yeah but
1: but what happened is he becomes so rich exactly. right? because of this, is they're like well he can't be a criminal anymore he becomes a marquis. yeah like which is basically like um it's like a governor like right? an appointed an appointed governor of that area right nuts so because he becomes famous, like when news gets back and the amount of money that he makes from doing this, like you can't quantify it because he has all this Aztec gold now, which is just going to make him wealthy. He becomes unimaginably wealthy is what I kept on reading when I did the research. So he he creates massive wealth. They're like, well, you're so rich. We can't be a criminal. We're going to forget about you disobeying orders because look at all the gold you're basically being back. And that's what Cortez gambled on, right? Like he knew that. He's like, they're going to tell me no, but if I go there and I can, I can be successful – being successful was, you know, killing thousands of people and overthrowing a civilization. But if I can do that, I'm going to wreak the spoils. I'm going to have all this money. I won't be a criminal anymore. And basically, he was dead either way because if he got brought back to Spain, he could have been killed, right? Yeah. And he would have, or he could have got killed by the Aztecs. So he just took that gamble. And for him at that point, it paid off, unfortunately, for the Aztecs.
0: This is something that's often talked about in history, specifically when we learn about this thing, but talking about the disease. So it's not like that he was just guns that really did it. But, you know, the interaction between diseases and conquistadors played a crucial role in the outcome of overall European exploration and colonization of the Americas. One of the most significant impacts of the arrival of these conquistadors in America was introduction of these diseases, to a population that had zero immunity to them. Smallpox, measles, influenza, typhus, right? Epidemics. I mean, this literally decimated the native uh, native communities. So when he's going and he's invading the Aztecs, by as you mentioned, by the time he comes back again, you know, this lack of immunity and this densely populated settlements of indigenous people, it literally is just, just
1: wiped there's no, out. There's, there's not many people to fight. The ones that are there are the weak, the reduced. Are weak, right? Right? Yep. Yeah, and the ones that, you know, have that i guess are not sick or dying or just there's just not enough of them 90% of the population gets wiped out and you're going to see this is a trend that we're going to see throughout western expansion into the new world right that like you see once they come in contact when western disease come in contact with these tribes that are really isolated from it from forever and they get exposed to it
0: right this i also started reading about this that the conquistadors quickly realized that like why wow, all these guys are getting sick so then they started playing that up, and a lot of them would use fear of the disease to their own advantage during these conquests. Uh, yeah. Kind of, C- Cortez started out, and Pizarro continues. They would exploit these indigenous beliefs and superstitions, and they would claim that like these diseases were a result of divine punishment, or like they possessed magical powers that they would unleash illness on their enemies. So they started catching on. They're like, oh, all right, these guys are dying from something, so we're just going to use this against them. And this really leads to psychological warfare that further controls oh, yeah. the intimidation. And subjugation of these people and obviously leads to economic exploitation. I mean, we're talking before, right? Uh, Forced labor, extraction of valuable resources such as gold, silver and other precious metals is really because the conquistadors are able to take these weakened indigenous populations and force them into labor. Uh, Very labor intensive industries are established by these conquistadors like mines and plantations and so on and so forth. But eventually, what this does is the mass mortality. You know, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but like it caused by the disease rather results in such a significant demographic shift in America that now you need more European settlers, you need indentured servants, you need African slaves, you know, to try to upkeep what these guys initially started in areas such as Mexico and Brazil. You know, even Honduras because
1: Cortez. Well, that's where Cortez goes after. Yeah. He, yeah, he just wants to keep on conquering more, and he actually spends what his later years like trying to get recognition for all his achievements. He's saying he's not getting and the legacy that that he wants. So you can see like how he like power hungry he is, right? He's he's already has all this gold, all this money. He already has a cemented legacy, but he wants even more like, you know, you can say he got it. I mean, this guy dies in 1547 and you know, it's 2023 and his name is still well known, he's still it's still talked about. You know, you don't you can't talk about the history of the new world without talking about Cortez.
0: All right, so let's move on to our next guy, our next big conquistador, an explorer, a soldier, a conquistador, uh, basically known uh, for conquering the Incas. And this is Francisco Pizarro. And Pizarro. he does this, first of all, as a soldier, he serves on the 1513 exp- expedition of Balboa, as you mentioned before, a d- much different explorer who discovered the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Um, well, Bal-
1: Balboa also was, went because Adrian told him to. <laughs> that was a that was a big thing he was only he didn't go for space he went for he did it for Adrian. and
0: he found turtles obviously yeah
1: yeah yeah turtles. you know that you know Sylvester
0: Stallone still has those turtles or and link they, no he really does he still has them so there was just I just read an article that the turtles he had in the original Rocky movie he sees a picture with him like they they're still alive I mean turtles live a long time they're they're kind of they're there there you go
1: there you go. Way to get off topic, Peter. Good job. Right, well, you started it. All right. Not at all. I'm just saying. Francisco
0: facts. Pizarro, born 1474 in Spain. Uh, his father was a captain, uh, Gonzalo Pizarro, but a poor farmer nonetheless. Mom, also low birth. This guy really grew up poor. No question about it. However, uh, very much from a young age, uh, very excited about exploring tales of adventure, so on and so forth, joins 300 settlers. Um, in 1510, to establish a colony on South American coast, one of the first ones, San Sebastian, or today's Colombia, food supplies were low. Colony is basically abandoned by its leader. Pizarro is left in charge as a young yeah, man, pretty, pretty much left
1: to die. They didn't yep. expect anyone. To die. Most most of the people did die, right? Only a hundred of them. Survived. Only hundred of the original three hundred settlers survived. Just for, again from diseases, from the heat in their new home. They didn't really know what they were doing there. And um, but he. He goes back. He, he's, yeah, he, he survives. He goes back and meets up with Balboa.
0: Yeah, meets Balboa and he goes back on new adventures. And basically, from that point forward, you know, that's kind of where he gets the bug of becoming, um, I guess, a conquistador. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing, whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, so he served as a captain for Valboa on his trip. We were doing the first, you know, European to discover the Pacific Ocean. That's 513. Yeah, he he becomes the
1: mayor of Panama. So he gets wealthy. He's already wealthy before he goes on his own adventures, I guess you want to say, right? So that's what happens. You see a lot of these guys. They, could, they obtain their their goal. They obtain that, but they don't have that glory. They, they don't want to be a footnote in history. They want their own claims, right? Yeah. They're seeing how other people are getting claims, so they want a, their own piece of the pie. And that's what he does here. He, he wants to make his own discovery so that he actually goes out, tries to conquest down uh, the coast of South America. Yep. But his first couple fail until he yep. arrives in Peru.
0: Doesn't Balboa get killed? They wind up settling in Panama because that's where they settle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's executed on January 15th in 1519. They said that he was, it was a dangerous business.
1: It was a dangerous business without doubt.
0: Well, because they got this colony, right? So trying to maintain control of the territory uh, in Panama was kind of hard. So they discovered it very quickly. So he wound up being embroiled in a conflict with a Spanish governor of the entire region. And then the governor, the Spanish governor that was given claim by the king to stay there, kind of saw Balboa as like a potential threat to his authority. So he arrests Balboa in fifteen nineteen. On these like trumped up charges of treason and disloyalty to the Spanish. Uh, fake trial really is held. He's found guilty. Balboa is sentenced to death. Boom. He is beheaded at the age of 42. And from that point forward, that's when you have Pizarro kind of takes over and Pizarro's like, yeah, I'm not really staying here either. Yeah.
1: Which... He doesn't want the same to see fate that happened to him. So he's exactly. going go to go starting to do his own thing. Eventually um, arrive in Peru and he heard about great rulers and riches in the mountains And he gets permission to claim land there for Spain. King Charles of Spain said, listen, you know, you go there. I'll make you the governor of any lands that you conquer. So that's Pizarro. This this is Pizarro's chance.
0: And Pizarro does this with a fellow soldier, kind of like a partner, uh, Diego Almagro. Almagro winds up kind of uh, plays a part here later on. So they wind up, you know, King Charles of Spain agrees to Pizarro's request that you could, you know, whatever you find be the governor, as you said. So Pizarro and his crew in 1531... Um, And his crew includes actually his three half-brothers, Gonzalo Hernando and Juan Pizarro. Uh, They sail from Panama to Peru when they enter an Incan city in 1532. He actually gets there during
1: these... These uh, End of the Incan Civil War, for the most part, right? Exactly. There's actually celebrations going on because um, at the hoopla, um, he was basically... He was their leader. Uh, He just won the Civil War over his brother, right? The Incan Civil War is what it basically becomes known as. And Pizarro does what, same thing like Cortez did, he takes him hostage, right? Takes him hostage, receives a ransom to spare his life, and then kills him anyway in 1533. Did you see how
0: the ransom worked though? So they took this, uh, the leader, Inca leader, they put him in a room. And what they said was, all right, if you fill this, this room, room with yeah. gold, it was a 22 by 17 feet, um, feet room. And they were like, all right, we're going to hold him for ransom here. And if you fill this room with gold, then we're going to let him out. So that's and what they, the Spanish demands was, right? And that's what
1: they did. They filled the room with gold. Like, to well, the gold they, to have, the they like, to the ceiling. They wanted to. And they're like, if they have this much gold, that they can do this. Exactly. So quick, how much do they have?
0: This is where Pizarro's second in command, Diego de Almagro, comes in, because he's the one that is kind of greedy here. And he's like, wait, if they have all this gold, you know what? Just forget this. So he winds up executing the Inca king. It wasn't Pizarro enemy, yeah. that did it. It was yeah. Almagro. And then Pizarro winds up ruling the area. Almagro becomes the governor of nearby town of New Toledo. Obviously, no. Yeah. So during his
1: yeah, he's during his time, Pizarro also conquers um Cusco, which is another important Incan city, and he creates the city of Lima, which is now the capital of Peru. So this is kind of, you know, creating all that history there. So while he's doing that, yeah, his former partner, and they're going to come into conflict with each other now. He's yeah,
0: because she's like, here you go. You could have your own governorship here while I stay here. But what ends up happening and they're disputing over the limits of their territory because they're so close. Like, wait, whose territory belongs to who? And and it's kind of interesting because they both stole this territory. But And Pizarro granted this to Almagro, uh, but Almagro's like, well, I want more. So Pizarro goes to war with Almagro, and he winds up basically taking Almagro in and having him executed. Yeah, and,
1: and- yeah, Pizarro's too old to be doing this himself, so he sends his brothers to basically do it, right? Yeah, that's what I was reading. Like his half brothers were the ones basically doing it, yep. and uh, they succeed in act because they didn't want Almagro to have the city, and they actually defeat him and they kill him. But then, in retaliation, supporters of Almagro break into Pizarro's palace in Lima, right, the city that he founded, and they ask they assassinate him. In June of 1541. So, do you, you know, know who the main guy is that actually assassinates there. him? Uh, Margot's son that yes, actually kills gets his revenge. Heart. He gets revenge yeah, for his father. da. Oh, well, yeah. He w- would be a supporter of his father. Yes. You would think so.
0: So, yeah, that pretty much ends that, right? So now we have. Well, yeah,
1: exactly. he's dead. He's dead. But again, his legacy is still there. It, it He creates the capital of Peru today and uh, beginning of the, the Spanish settlement in Peru.
0: Uh, the next guy that we have here is Hernando de Soto, sixteenth century, de Soto, sixteenth century Spanish explorer. de Soto arrived in West Indies. He kind of tries to make a name for himself and, and make money, really. Uh, through the slave, the slave trade. trade that's, yeah. that's what he starts with. He initially supplies ships for Francisco Pizarro's southward expedition that, you know, winds up getting him to Peru. But then he seeks his own glory and riches. So De Soto embarks on a major expedition of his own around the same time in 1538. And he goes to North America. He actually conquers Florida. of Florida, yeah. And claims, claims it for the Spanish crown.
1: It claims, claims out to the crown, which is going to create ripple effects all the way to like the, the America, right? The 1800s. Andrew yeah. Jackson and stuff like that.
0: Well, so. yeah. But, well, he, this guy goes awesome. in and basically, first of all, he gets Turns in. Out. They get in about 4,000 miles in to the region. Um, yeah. They actually get as
1: far as the Mississippi River, right? Yep. Which and they fight.
0: And basically, this is where Native Americans are like, who are these people? And, you know, you have the beginning of, as you mentioned, issues with Native Americans and, and white population. This is kind of the beginning of that. Also, same thing, not really born into uh, super a lot of money, but he was born as a minor nobility. Modest means, but you know, so on and so forth. Developed dreams of making a fortune in the new world. Around the age of 14, he winds up leaving his hometown and he gets himself included on his first expedition to the West Indies uh, in 1514. So a lot of these guys start off as young people go into the new world before they kind of decide they're going to make this their own. And he did a lot
1: of, Soto worked a lot with Pizarro at first in uh, Peru. Yep. That's why he made a lot of his early money that he used to fund his expeditions later to Florida. I'm just saying they're all basically connected somehow.
0: So he acts as Pizarro's chief lieutenant um, in the conquest of Peru. De Soto becomes the first European to make contact with the Inca emperor. He's the one to kind of gets that things going. Yeah. Obviously, that's before the, the leader is captured. Eventually, he's captured and killed. Pizarro kind of gets his new capital of Lima in 1535, takes over the Incas. Uh, De Soto winds up in 1536 returning to Spain as one of the wealthiest conquistadors of his entire era.
1: He got a huge fortune. Some of that room for gold that they filled up to save the Incan king, yeah. he, he got his portion of that. So he, he was good for life. That's just crazy when I'm looking at some of this. These guys, a lot of these guys could have retired right then and there, but they don't. They want more, right? They want more. It's not
0: good enough well yeah well when he comes back to spain he winds up getting a royal commission to go back and conquer and resettle the region he, he initially invaded so la florida basically you know southeastern united states it wasn't just our florida we're talking yes. like southeast he's also receives the governorship of cuba so he's like all right cool i'm getting all these things because i'm rich so why not so he winds up going back to north america he sets sail from Spain in April of 1538, this time with 10 ships and 700 men. And they initially stop in Cuba, but then after that, they continue up, and they wind up landing in Tampa Bay in May of 1539, and they wind up moving inland, settling, and eventually setting up camp for winter in a small Indian village uh, near, today, Tallahassee. I mean, this guy goes through Georgia, uh, Carolina, yeah, 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 Tennessee. Yeah. Like you said, it's
1: not just a Florida that like we know, it's that whole... Is that, so, that whole area, basically, the, yeah, like I said, he went as far as Mississippi. He's the first Europeans to ever cross the Mississippi River. So he, him and his men. Like, but they yeah, were but a, first impact. of
0: all, same thing. So they wind up getting indigenous Americans, right? They wind up using them as guides, enslaving them, and then they quickly realize that these guys are dying on them. So they're enslaving more as they're going along. But as they're going through the southeastern United States, the one thing that's glaring to them, like the one thing they're getting kind of angry about is they're not finding gold yeah uh, you know like while the other conquistadors when they went for the south south america mexico central america they were finding gold he's like in alabama literally and he's like I, i'm like i'm not finding gold right kind of make it to tennessee he's like forget we're going back forget this so they start headed back into Alabama, today's Alabama, into like Mobile Bay, where they're like, you know what? Bring our ships over. We're out of here. And it was there that they're attacked by uh Native Americans that are just have been following them. They to up tracking them. them. Yeah,
1: because they, they realize what's going on. Yeah, right. These other tribes. Plus, all the tribes are just going to kill people who come into their territory anyway. Especially ones who have, you know, committed massacres and enslaving other tribes. They're like, well, it's not happening to us, so they're just going to go after them. And then, just, so, so the ones up getting uh, sick, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, but even here, this is one of the first bloody battles on in oh, yeah. North America between Spain between uh, Europeans and uh, Native Americans, you know, October of 1540 in, in present day Mobile. So I, after this battle, deaths on both sides, the Soto decides that you know what? Maybe I'm going to go and search for more treasure. Like after this, he made it back to his ships. And he's he like, could, he,
1: he could have left, but he's like, you know what? There might still be gold out there.
0: Exactly. I might have missed something. So he crossed back, turns around and goes back into today's Arkansas and Louisiana. And by a 15, so for a whole year, by 1542, he winds up turning back to the Mississippi. He's like, oh, I'm still not finding anything. And that's when he winds up getting sick. He gets a fever. And back then, you know, you got the sniffles and That could have been a 50-50 shot for you. So he winds up dying in May 21st, 1542, and his comrades bury his body in the great river. Which um, is Mississippi, yeah. Yes. And his successor, uh, Louis de Moscoso, um, led the remnants of the expedition, which, by the way, only half of them made it back, on rafts. They created rafts, and they went back to Mississippi.
1: They went back there. They They rode the Mississippi back down to Mexico.
0: Yeah, they're like, we need to get out of here. Like, there's no gold here. This land sucks.
1: Yeah, they were not happy with Alabama and Arkansas. Well, um, is, I mean, this is just, you know, the first, I not want to say first people, but like some of the first Europeans to be there. And they're just saying, you know, that if this wasn't what they expected, so they leave. They, 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 were, they didn't have those giant cities there of gold that like they did in South America and North America.
0: Also, this is where you get the difference where when you look at North America, you have more of French, some Spanish too, obviously, but French, Spanish, and British settle yeah. in North America. Central and South America is really... Um,
1: Spanish or Portuguese, yeah. Absolutely. They were the powers at the time.
0: Yeah, and even like the whole idea here, Portugal leads all others in exploration of the New World as is yeah. because of Prince Henry, the navigator. Portuguese seamen would sail southward along the African coast, seeking water route to the east, and that's really what what started all this stuff, um, you know, we're talking like 1400s. So Portuguese always had this long interest in like distance, trade, expansion. Then you have Cabral, right? In 1500, Pedro uh, discovers the claim, claims Brazil for Portugal. You really have Portuguese and and Spanish right there. And they're like, wait, (laughs) us too. And that's really what kind of- Yeah, well, these dominoes,
1: all those areas are just falling, right? And They're just claiming. It's what you're going to see in the later half of the 1800s, right? With the scramble for Africa, right? Yeah. Well, the European powers trying to get parts of Africa and Asia and stuff like that to claim their colonies. Now you're seeing the beginning of it. Only the, the major powers here are just Spain and Portugal. They're the only two who really have that the resources and the technology, also, to be able to do this.
0: And then, you know, and then obviously Columbus is the guy that kind of, I would say, that he's the guy that really starts with this whole conquistador thing. But subsequent explorations, it's interesting, too, because they persuaded most Europeans that Columbus had discovered a new world, right? But the new world was named for someone else instead of Columbus. Amerigo Vespucci and this German mapmaker, uh, Martin Valdes, Valdes Muller, I think. Valdes yes. Muller. He's the one that accepted the claim by Amerigo Vespucci that Amerigo's like, well, I was there before him. So he's like, OK. So he basically landed on <laughs> American mainland. Shh. Sure. Just, yeah, he's like, sounds good. Uh, and he named it in his new book in 1507, um, this German mapmaker. He named it America. And, and that kind of stuck. The decline of the conquistadors as a prominent force in the colonization of Americas could really be attributed to a few factors, obviously. Uh, one is consolidation of control. By mid-16th century, the Spanish and Portuguese crowns had gained significant control over American territories already. So the conquest of major civilization like the Aztecs or the Inca empires, mm, the two yeah. major ones, Right, they were kind of followed by establishment of some form of like colonial administrations that governed and exploited the resources. So, there really wasn't that much, there wasn't a need for it. They wasn't going to
1: necessarily conquer, you know, exactly. They were We're like, We're not going to
0: conquer, we're just going to govern
1: now and make sure there's no revolts. Exactly, what they were trying to do.
0: Uh, yeah, there's this like shift in focus from seeking quick wealth to conquest, um, and establishment. to establishment of like stable colonies and trade networks. Now it's like, all right, the emphasis on exploration and discovery, like uh, we're not going to really emphasize that anymore. Now we're already here. Uh, we took what we want. Now let's structure and govern these societies. Another thing that kind of led to the decline of conquistadors is the indigenous population really resisted the Spanish and Portuguese colonization. So it, it led to a lot of like guerrilla conflicts. Uh, jungle conflicts, and the conquistadors were initially very successful in overpowering the indigenous empires, but ongoing resistance and guerrilla warfare really made it expensive.
1: It constant fighting, and yeah, it became expensive, and Spain and Portugal couldn't afford it anymore.
0: Yeah. Because of uh, Cortez and, and Pizarro and de Soto, because these guys had so much money and, and made such wealth from this, the Spanish con- crown really wanted to consolidate the control over these colonies and kind of prevent this unchecked power of individual conquistadors. They're like, all right, these guys made way too much money by themselves. Like we need to kind of, you know, nip this in the butt kind of. So it led to a lot of implementation of laws and reforms that actually specifically limited the influence of conquistadors, because the point is to strengthen Royal authority. Like these guys were supposed to do this in the name of Spain and Portugal. And they became not for their own.
1: Yeah. They became too, but they became you know, in some cases almost as powerful as the King himself. Like, no, that's not the point here you know. Nuts.
0: And then you have obviously like, you know, 1600s keeps on going and that's another topic, but uh, in 1600s, one of the major things that kind of leads to the end of this is that European powers such as England, France and Netherlands really begin to challenge the Spanish and Portuguese dominance in the New World and and they're like, you know what, we're going to go check this thing out too. And while they don't land as south as as Spain and Portugal, they do land in what today is North America. And now you have this competition that really kind of you know, results in conflicts um, that diverted a lot of attention and resources from further exploration and expansion on the Spanish and Portuguese side. Cause they're like, wait, like now these guys are getting in here. We like, now is this competition? Like we can't really go and explore. We need to protect what we have. Um, so, yeah. And then obviously as uh, the conquistadors took all the gold, they could back to Europe, which really created massive inflation in Europe because there was so much gold all of a sudden. Um the other thing issue was that now there's a shift from extraction of precious metals to agricultural production. Um, cash yeah. crops, specifically sugar. I mean, think of like, you know, think of Brazil, right? Sugar, yeah. tobacco, yeah, coffee. Exactly. sugar cane, yeah,
1: they want their sugar, they want they want these goods, these renewable goods, right? It's not just yep. the minerals anymore. And that's going to create even more wealth. So that's what they're gonna be focused on and they just wanna protect that with the ships coming back and forth. That's what they're gonna focus on. And to do that takes a lot too because now they have to have a powerful navy, right, to be yep. able to ship to protect the lanes from pirates, that's going to give rise to the pirates, which we always keep on talking about doing a podcast on, like, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean. We have to get to that at some point.
0: Yeah, definitely. that will be awesome. All right. So that pretty much covers the conquistadors. Uh, so in case you guys are curious why they speak Portuguese and Spanish in South America, uh, this is why they do that. Shocking, right? History, you know, everything has a beginning. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in once more. We appreciate it. If you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there to answer any of your questions. Make sure you guys uh, click that subscribe or like button and make sure you guys follow us on all social media because we are there. And I guess that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com.